Podcast. I'm your host, William Parham, and today we are here to talk about emotional intelligence and masculinity. And I'm joined by one, two, three, four, five. I'm gonna take a stab. Seven or eight new guests. So it's nice to all have you here. You set up the roster, bro. I'm gonna pass. I know I didn't count though. I'm gonna pass the mic around and everyone just introduce themselves. So starting with my two co-hosts, we have. You know, it's your boy, the boy with the marine cut, Takai Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you already know, you already know what's going on, it's mess. Alright, now pass to whoever. I'm Brandon. Yo, I'm David. What's up, it's Nadal. Stephanie. I'm Naomi. Come here. <laughs> Hello everyone, I'm Julian Rascio. And one more guest. Did you say? No, he was his name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So for today's topic, we are talking about masculinity and emotional intelligence because as time has proceeded, things have become a little more confused in terms of defining what is masculine. And on top of that, as people have grown older and maybe a little more antisocial because of the pandemic, emotional intelligence has dropped as well. Now, would anyone like to give their take on what they've observed or seen? in either category. People just don't know how to talk. Like, it even comes down to, like, studying. So when, when I mean this, it's like, say, for example, the classes that take actual thought, like, no offense to, like, the other, like, class, say, for example, organic chemistry, physics, all the courses that take some kind of, like, I'm not going to call it critical thinking because that makes me sound callous, but I would say the classes that take some kind of um, effort, like, damn, this is getting worse, y'all. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> no, so anyway, it is critical the classes, so, so, because and, it's all analytical. Yeah. You don't need to have an opinion. It is fact and fact alone. Yeah. So you don't need a lot of communication skills yeah. or any, I hate saying this, but any kind of personality for it. What, for like you're stems? Out, yeah. Yeah, you're spitting out a bunch of answers. Yeah, but sometimes when you when you gotta study for like things like um, I, I don't know about engineering, but I would say like math, chemistry, bio. Like so it helps with studying a group though, like for the most part. That's what I'm saying. So when we're talking about the social aspects, a lot of people don't know how to even like start a conversation, let alone even have like possible of, like even making a good study group. I just noticed pe people here are honestly terrible social skills. It's actually I don't even know how people are even alive at this school if it wasn't for their parents. A communications major, low key we dog all the STEM majors talking about how most of them do not really know how to hold a conversation. No, that's true. No, that's well. true. I'll agree with that. Yeah. STEM majors for some reason, I don't understand why that's STEM majors are like that. I feel I feel like the older generation of STEM majors they, there's no way in hell they were like that. It's just like No, because they had proper communication skills yeah. through COVID and especially lockdown. Everybody was isolated. Yeah. So communication happened through a screen. And especially with these newer generations who are iPad babies. Discord kids. Yeah. The worst. Yeah. Scum. <laughs> oh, y'all. <laughs> well, that is like a good observation because I know with interacting kids growing up with iPads, there's no actual feedback because they're just talking to or looking at an iPad and they're getting all this stimulation. But let's say the kid speaks iPad doesn't respond back, kid could possibly grow up to being mute, meaning like he's not going to know how to interact with other people because he's so used to getting stimulated but not getting anything back in return. I feel like with the whole mute thing, though, mm -hmm. as long as the parent is properly socializing the child, but that all Facts. depends on the parent. I feel like That's iPad's an escape, though. Thing. Yeah. yeah, it's totally an escape because it was just thrown on the kid. Hey, I don't want to take care of you. I'm busy. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. Go to your iPad, go to your screen, and sit for hours. 
Yeah, but what people, a lot of people need to understand is that when you, a lot of these kids are hopping on the internet, they're doing so because that's where they feel comfortable, right? So what happens is that the parents, they're out, they're at work, they're not really raising their kids, they're throwing them in front of TVs, throwing them in front of iPads, and these kids become comfortable, not only just having cordial and, and casual rela um, relationships, friendships, and just, you know, talking to people casually online, they're also getting used to making themselves vulnerable to people online. Some people exclusively go online just to vent and make themselves vulnerable because they can't do it in real life. So what's happening is that we're now seeing a self-fulfilling prophecy of people, you know what I'm saying, they're, they're, they're giving their kids these things, right? And the point of giving it to them is to pacify them, right? And what happens is that they're pacified, but in a negative way. They can't now go out, they can't now express themselves in the real world. So a lot of it comes, it really, the root of it is, you know, a failed society where we're not really like teaching kids how to, you know, go out and like be themselves. We're putting them in front of screens and TVs and these screens and TVs are raising them. Do you right. feel like it's because it's not allowing them to actually cultivate a personality? Yeah, exactly. Like they're not having true interaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about the kids, like elementary school kids who grew up during COVID and how they are going to potentially communicate? It's even worse for them because for Coco us. Melon. <laughs> Don't get me started on Coco Melon. For us, we grew up like, you know, in person learning, you know what I'm saying? We, we learned, you know, a level of, of social, you know, competence. But a lot of kids who are starting school in kindergarten, they're starting online, you know what I'm saying? I actually, my siblings started, some of my siblings started school during you know, the, the COVID times, or they were in like first, second grade during the, the COVID period. And what, what they're doing is, number one, their attention span is, it just depletes to zero. Because what happens is they're watching this boring teacher on a screen, and then new tab, cool math games. There's the whole no class. repercussions for attention. <laughs> that, like that work period. Exactly. You're supposed to be like a stalemate in order to like create, have your own creativity. They're missing that entirely because it's just instant gratification. There's no real learning in between. Exactly. And with the internet, we can get, we have the whole world at, the, at our fingertips. And this is why a lot of people don't really understand this, but the internet isn't for kids. No, the internet I is not, I it's not that. for kids. Like, yeah. I, I miss when they had Leapfrog because exactly. it wasn't connected to the internet, but it was a way of like yeah. introducing, it wasn't. You had to like buy the game separately yeah. as a digital cartridge. And once you like complete that lesson, you buy the next one. But it had no connection to Wi-Fi, so you couldn't connect whatever you wanted. There was no temptation. There were no ads. But um, I wanted to mention this, by the way, because I didn't say this prior. For people who don't know, according to the Oxford Dictionary, emotional intelligence is the, uh, the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions, and to handle, handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. Just to get that out there for people to understand better. And simplify it for the layman. Ah, okay. So... Being aware of others and how they feel and how you feel when you're interacting together. Being able to make conversation, have discussion, have debate, and let it flow casually. Not like have a stalemate of just staring at each other and making it awkward. Old STEM majors, as Max would say. Bro, I really hate that I'm a STEM major. So, y'all all right, check out. Does anyone have any, anything else to say about emotional Well, you, you guys keep coming after STEM majors. I'm right here, bro. I'm a STEM, I'm a STEM major, bro. I know you are. They be thinking I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, whatever media. They be thinking I'm like MC and I'm like. I used to be a STEM major. But, uh, Oh, wait. That's the understanding. Totally. That it's only communication.
that, that, that it's only communication majors who know how to actually hold a conversation, who know how to talk. I think it's humanities majors. Are, like I'm a social work and psych major, and I just feel like Everyone I've met in my major has been pretty good at communicating. However, it depends on passion because like some people are really passionate about one thing, especially in social work, and they don't know how to agree or disagree with other people. And I feel like this can also be connected with masculinity because a lot of times like there is no agree to disagree when it comes to the traditional role of being masculine because men are not taught to back down. Um, and that is no fault of their own. Like that's why I'm like emphasizing that it's a lesson that we're taught. We're all taught how to act in society. I don't think it's a biological th biological thing. I think it's a social thing. Um, and I feel like that ties into the whole emotional intelligence thing, where it's just like, why would men want to be emotionally intelligent when they were taught the opposite? Like you feel me? Express themselves. Yeah. And that's where I kind of want to go into now, having the definition right in front of me. APA dictionary says. Um, masculinity is possession of social role behaviors that are presumed to be characteristics of a boy or a man, as contrasted with maleness. And right now, that's the issue, is that we don't know what a man actually is, because men, as Naomi just mentioned growing up, don't express themselves. So how are you going to define something if it can't even express itself? That's like looking at a chalkboard with nothing on it and then asking me to solve the problem. You don't know what's there. So would anyone like to take the experience um, with masculinity? I was gonna talk about like the social norms of like my major as an art major, oh, as a visual arts too. major. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I think with visual arts, it's more like depending on what like you specialize in because like each specialization carries along a culture. Like if you're like in printing and fashion, for example, like there's it's much more social. You're going to like fashion shows. You're you have to talk to all these models like there's there's mo like lots and lots of socialization that goes into some of them but like for example with my major like animation like you're kind of it's very now especially after COVID like you're not you don't you can work from home like my professor he's in Canada he works for Titmouse and he just like made the show for, for Netflix um, and he's teaching us like here in Baltimore but he's like all the way in Canada and he's been there for like 13 years or something so like. It's pretty wild. Like a lot of like the people in my major aren't very social, but like if I go and talk to like music majors, music majors are also pretty social. Um, I didn't even think it, about it like that. Like it does depend on your career in terms of your environment. Yeah. Like so for fashion majors, like you're gonna be around a lot of people in the business, and you need to talk and network. Whereas if you're like a STEM major, you're gonna be in a lab all day. You might talk to one or two people, but you're focused on your work for the majority of your like. But my, thing, but my thing is, dude, no matter what major you're in, bro, you got to be able to know how to talk, bro. Like, I'm sorry. If you're a physics yeah, major and you're absolutely, like, even physics majors, man. Like, bro, like, the way they see it, because, like, even if they're, like, socially recluse, like, they still have some type of niche. How are you going to talk? How are you even going to make physics jokes, bro? Like, you have to have some kind of communication. Like, you know what I'm saying? I just hate yeah. how, like, some people completely forget that, like, how to talk to people and then they, like, bitch and whine about it. That's really what gets me pissed. Like, no, they're not. And I, that, that's what I say. I'm like, bro, like, especially computer science majors, bro. Like, some of them kind of be blowing blow me. I'm like, bro, take a shower yeah. flat out first and then and get some skills. So, like, my major is, like, political science, right? So, me, I, I have to, like, be, like, social. I have to talk to everyone. I have to have connections, know everybody. It is discussion. And that's the thing. And I've always been, like, the one to talk. And I feel like I've always learned because when I was a kid, I didn't know how to talk to people. But then as I got older, I started meeting more people. 
I'm thinking like, okay, so this is how you're supposed to talk, you're supposed to act, say this, don't say that. There's a time and a place for it. Yeah. But then I noticed even some people in my major, they just don't even know how to do that. Because like, I'm very like observant about things. Like I'll see like people's like body language or like how they talk to one uh, certain group of people versus another. I'm like, okay, do this, do that. And should I go to here and say it to them or um, should I do something differently? But like, I just do what I do. I just talk because I've always been a natural talker. But like when yeah. I see like other types of people in my major, like they just don't know. They just, they say what they want to say and that's it. They don't know what else yeah. to talk about. They don't have like anything interesting. They don't have any like stories, stuff like that. I've always got stories to talk about. But none of them like have nothing to say. Okay. Right. And on that, yeah. And on, <laughs> no, and on that note at all, as you mentioned, it's very important to be able to talk to people. That's something that my dad and my uncle, well, my uncle's, you know, he's a close friend of my dad. I just call him my uncle. I know him that well personally. He's always, you know, he's a salesman at, at a flea market. And, you know, when we've spoken on the, on the phone, he said, listen, I don't make much money, but I know how to talk to people. And I think it's important to, you know, always consider what other people have to say and, right. you know, be respectful. And I think, you know, this is going back to a topic of masculinity. Like you've seen many common influencers, you know, specifically like Andrew Tate, as well as Myron Gaines, who he runs, who runs a podcast as well. Like those people, like a lot of people depict them as toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what, and yes, I believe most of the things he says can be quote outrageous however his purpose is for men to be masculine and specifically not to tolerate bs and so yes yes so for me my definition of toxic masculinity is someone who tries to be over too overpowering without being considered without being considering of others that for me is my definition of of toxic masculinity you know if i'm you know and this goes back to you know, my life, specifically middle school to high school to college, is that, um, you know, when I was in high school, my social skills weren't great. When I was in middle school, they were high. So it went from high to low, back to high in college. And so in middle school, you know, I was, you know, I was very much considered a simp, especially. But then in high school, I was very much considered a simp in middle school. In middle school, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so a simp, it, yeah, so the acronym simp, for those who don't know, is someone who, um, of someone who gives too much attention and validation to someone who's not giving the same thing back. That's what a simp is. And so I was very much like that when I was in middle school. And then in high school, I just did sports. I was on the rowing team, you know, had great communication, you know, did my work, had good grades. And then back in college, you know, I think I've picked up, I've learned to pick up the positive things about a lot. I've learned to pick up the positive things about uh, people. And so I've learned that, you know, even though not, you know, not, no one's perfect, but I think it's important to, even if, you know, you may consider them to be quote a bad person, you know, learn the positive sides of them and have them influence you. Because I think a high value person is someone who isn't necessarily hundred percent in one thing, but maybe 60, 70% in everything. I think that's very important in life and being social helps, helps with networking and being at that high level. Specifically, you said your communication skills were high in elementary school, correct? Yeah. Low middle school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. High back up and high in high school. Back up in college. College? Okay. Yes. Do you feel like they improved middle to high school? Did you play more sports in high school? Than I was on the wrong team. I was on the wrong team in high school. So, so I was very locked in. Like that, that team building. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that helped your socialization, your ability to communicate with people who oh, yeah, absolutely. would not? 
Yeah, absolutely. It um, really taught me discipline. I think mm-hmm. rowing requires a lot of discipline. I think the oh, training yeah. hours in spring break, we were training two days. You know, we were training four hours, yeah, two, twice a week, uh, two days every, every day a week. And I think with that with that discipline, right, I was able to translate here to college. Like in college, you know, I come here, I do what I'm supposed to do. However, I've met great people here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, rude to anyone. I don't cause fights or anything i don't i don't cause you know silly arguments (laughs) however um i think as you said um rowing rowing really helps really helps with that and so and also makes you you know helps men be in shape you have to communicate or absolutely your team's not going to get anywhere absolutely how do we feel about going back to the kids who grew up in quarantine and were not able to be on sports teams how do we feel that that is going to affect them moving into their middle school career, into high school, while sports are finally coming back? How is that communication going to look? Well, <clears throat> I, uh, I, to further your, for that question, I, um, I have a brother. He, he's in, in uh, middle school, but he was in high school. In his freshman year of high school was during the pandemic. And so... And so uh, what happened is that he, he and I are, are completely opposites. So I am fine with being on my own and, you know, functioning on my own. He needs to get outside and talk to people. So for what happened during quarantine, my social skills, basically, the, the little bit of social skills I had just like that, then it snapped out of existence. <laughs> And for him, he's just like, oh, I need to get out of here. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think because he didn't have communications, I I don't want to blanket statement this, but do you feel like because he didn't have as well-developed communication skills to begin with, it just made him even more reclusive, more internal? No. Like he wasn't able to express how he was feeling, what he needed to do. It was just... Action based? No. The thing is, is that uh, he likes to talk to people. Okay. So he, he has to go out and talk to people. If he stays in the house too long, he's just like, I've been in this, I've been in this house for like five hours. I, I, I need to get out. I need to get out of here. And so uh, what happened was, is that uh, he was just, you know, quarantine you couldn't go anywhere so any chance he got he's like i'm gonna sit outside because i need i, I just need to i can't be in this house can't be in this cage anymore. yes i'm just like what do you mean and so what i learned from this was that uh it's not necessarily the act of actually talking to people it's the potential of actually talking to people and for for a lot of people especially during quarantine it wasn't the fact that they couldn't go outside but it was the fact that they weren't allowed to go outside and so uh i'm not a very social person but i try to force myself to talk to people and so uh yeah i'm trying to understand this whole social thing just like everyone else and so He's just like, yeah, I had to talk to this. It's like, this is guy from Nigeria. I just started talking to him. Like, how do you know a guy from Nigeria? Even the only places you go are to soccer practice, school, and home. It's like, oh, I met him on Omegle. I'm like, Omegle? (laughs) 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 And he started. (laughs) So uh, for for some people, the only way they could actually talk to people was – 
was uh, during quarantine was online. And so that's where he just, from then he just went from going to the mall to just say, yeah, I met this, this girl who lives in Florida. I'm like, Florida. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, he was a menace. (laughs) Don't even get me started on what this, the kind of stuff he did online. How long was he like doing this for? Was this like for like, the whole time quarantine was going on? Or was it, it like-, like, his use of meeting people online started because of quarantine. Really? Because he couldn't go anywhere. So he just started using Omegle. He started doing all this stuff. Like, because he used to use it. But after quarantine, he just... He's See, talking to someone new every day. Because that's the thing. When quarantine happened, like, for me, it was weird. So, like, you know, like, I'm... I, I tell myself I'm a social person, but, you know, I have my days where I'm pretty introverted. Yeah. But, like... When it happened, you know, like, I'm online, I'm doing school and shit, and then I'm on Discord. You know, because I got my friends there. And then, like, you know, but, like, I'm on, like, little, like, sp- I'm on, like, sports servers and stuff. I'm talking with people. And it was weird, because, like, we're just all talking and shit. Like, I'm thinking, like, I'm having fun talking online with my friends every day, but I'm thinking, like, this is becoming, like, like I said, every day. And I'm like, this is not good. Like, I need to get out. Like, personally, because, like, I can't be confined into one area. It was. And it was, like... I was kind of going mad because I was thinking, like, after, like, the first, like, month or two of COVID, I was like, this is stupid. Like, can I just, like, go out of my house and do something? That's why I think, I don't know how it is for, like, other people, but, like, sometimes for me, it's, like, I need to, like, do something. I need, I can't just sit around and do nothing. I have to move around. Like, my body won't just let me be like, oh, we can just sit around for hours and do something. I'm fishing, like, a lot. Well, Seth, to answer your question in terms of, um, you know, that relation from middle school to high school sports, I think it's either going to be a greater difference between people who were social and people who weren't, or there'll be some outliers along the way. Like, yes, there might be some people who were um, super social and they became antisocial, and then there are people who were antisocial and they became very social. I think whenever there's some type of endeavor or challenge that humans face, we get creative and we innovate. So as things have happened because of quarantine, we've noticed... um, what is it called when you're on streaming? Streaming has like become very popular now because of quarantine. It's almost like awesome. watching a TV show. Mm-hmm. But I'll say in terms to answer your question, um, Nadal, sorry, I almost forgot your name for some reason. Uh, Sand boy. People who are social need that interaction. And I don't care what anyone says. A screen can't replace personal interaction. Like us, us talking... Okay. <laughs> Us talking together right now, I feel is a lot more special than if we were to be on like Zoom or Skype. Right. Like I guarantee if we were all behind a screen, we'd be doing something else. Our attention would not be totally here. Like yeah, personally I'd be like looking at my phone answering text and not like being this message right now. I'd probably be taking a nap, bro, especially this this I don't care. So the thing about it, right, is that we we agree that like there are negative effects, but it depends. It really depends on the person because for me, right, when quarantine happened, I spent the first couple months, you know, diving into the news, diving into, you know, things of the world, finding out about certain things that I didn't know about, kind of just like expanding my horizons, you know, learning. And that's one of the good things about it. A lot of the times when we're in school, uh, especially for people who are like extremely busy, we're kind of out of the loop when it comes to things that are happening like in the world and you know, politics and things of that nature, things that people should know about. You know, and so for the people who weren't necessarily just on Discord or, or on Omegle, a lot of people were <laughs> a lot of people were really learning about how the world actually works, you know. And the internet is a double-edged sword. 
you know, there's, you know, being idle on the internet, like talking to random people halfway across the world, or there's learning about money, learning about taxes, learning about, you know, other countries, like learning about people's experiences in those countries, you know? So that's what I did for the, for the first couple of months. Then like summer, summer 2020, I, then I started like going online, Instagram, uh, group chats, uh, Discord. And then I kind of, I was introduced to a whole nother like reality because when you go to, to the inst- the Instagram like group chats, especially like in the anime community or you know like you know, that community, Onija. yeah, <laughs> you'll find. I don't know if it's specifically that community, but what you'll find is you'll find a lot of people who are you know emotion a lot of at risk youth, you know a lot of people that are dealing with depression, a lot of people that are dealing with trauma, a lot of people that are dealing with anxiety. And you'll go on to the group chats, you'll go to sleep, you'll wake up, and they're still on the group chat, just as active as they were before. They're on the group chat for 12 hours a day, trauma dumping, talking about the things they go through, sending, you know, self-harm pictures, you know, things of that nature. They're opening up to people that they've never met before, you know. And for me, that was a learning experience because I never knew that people like that actually, like, Obviously, I knew they existed, but like it wasn't a reality for me until I actually met and talked with these people. You know, these people were using the internet as a coping mechanism. I met someone who was addicted to the internet, quite literally, and they used it as a way to distract themselves from the pain that they were feeling inside. You know, and so while it's not good to use the internet that way, it was their way of keeping themselves from being even more self-destructive, of engaging in even more self-destructive practices. You know. Yeah, they're 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 mitigating it exactly. That's the, that's a perfect word. And so, I was learning about all these, I was learning about all these like different people, and I was gaining a greater perspective about how the world the world actually works, you know. And so I say all this just to say like, yes, the internet it did take away a lot of people's ability to like you know live in the real world. However, there's there is a lot to learn uh, on the internet, you know, from people there are a lot of perspectives to look into when you're on the internet. There are a lot of different experiences to, you know, see for yourself when you're on the internet. And so really it depends on the person. How do you use the internet? Are you using it as as an escape? Are you using it as an excuse not to go out and actually make friends and, and actually have those real life experiences? Or are you leveraging it to gain information, to gain knowledge, you know? See, another thing about it is like, um, before the internet, you know, people didn't have like they didn't have the ability to like congregate with these people. You <laughs> congregate. Know, it's like, yeah, that's like the internet gave certain groups of people a platform, you know, like that they didn't really have like a platform to speak about like otherwise, you know, like people would go and like interact with their type of people, but I don't know how to say this in not very like objective way. You know what I mean? Like so speak how you feel. I'm just saying like certain groups of people, you know, like who don't they may not feel like well represented, you know what I mean? Like in a majority of like population, like now they have like that platform and now they, they can like interact with each other and you know, just like communicate and stuff like that. So what it seems like it really is, is teaching people how to use the internet. It's a tool. Not yeah, it's a tool, not like an, a mean an end, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a means to an end, not necessarily that end. You know, it's not your friend. friend. It can be a double-edged yeah, sword. It can be, it's, it it's a double-edged double sword. sword, yeah. It can be. No, it, it, it by nature, the, the thing That's is, what he's saying. Internet, it's, like, it's a double edged sword, so there's a good and a bad side. So, so by nature, it is a good thing and a bad thing. We all rely on the internet. 
You can't live without using it. You can't you can't work in most fields. Most high paying fields force you to use the internet. Uh, you you're not able to do your homework unless you're able to connect to the internet. Shaggy is crazy. Bro, why are you snitching on us, bro? I need to ask Why are you snitching, bro? Come on. I mean, Shaggy already snitches on us. Shaggy snitches on us. Number eight. This is what I want to get into now. So we've all addressed, like, the problems we've seen with emotional intelligence and a little bit of masculinity. But now let's start talking about solutions. What do you guys think is best to fix that? So, like, for masculinity, I think what is easier and what should be done for men is that we should be able to express ourselves, but without, you know, popping off in a way that just seems childish. Like, no one wants to talk to a man who's more than Or, yeah, like, wait, yeah, waving his body language everywhere, just like being super expressive. But instead, maybe, this is just a far-fetched idea. There should be a step-by-step protocol, perhaps. Like, assess the situation in yourself. Make sure, are you at a calm rate? Like, is your heart rate, like, high or low? And then take like three deep breaths and then say what bothers you the most, but be mindful of like, will this offend my partner or said person in that situation? We didn't really talk about masculinity a lot. We really did. So like what, like, I'm just trying to understand, you know, you're talking about like solutions to certain things. Like what? Well, let's defi- I'll define masculinity okay. based on these definitions. So I did psychology. This is the sociology definition. Okay. Um, according to encyclopedia.com. Masculinity refers to social roles, behaviors, and meanings prescribed for men in any given social society at any one time. As such, it emphasizes gender, not biological sex, and the diversity it identifies of identities among different groups of men. So to break this down, masculinity doesn't just refer to gender. It's a way of how you act around others and how you present yourself. So now that we have that out the way, does anyone like to talk more about masculinity. I, I certainly So, are we allowed to go into... Yeah, go. All right. Free. Free, free around the cabinets. All right. <laughs> this goes south. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your word, not mine. There are words. Communism. Okay. So, anyways, so, uh, when you guys speak of toxic masculinity, and if, if you're saying there's toxic uh, masculinity, then there has to be toxic femininity. Because if we're saying that there's toxic masculine traits, then there has to be toxic, toxic feminine traits. Can we I, define this? Can yeah. it help, well, us help us understand, like, what, would, what would you say is like a toxic feminine trait? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, it's a very, very good question. I feel like there's a fine line between toxic and stereotypical. Respectful. What do you mean? Yes. 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 I can say one. What do you mean? What do you mean? Don't have to get into something. You guys kept undermining me. I mean, there's a long side. I don't think something that's necessarily toxic in a female isn't also toxic in a male. Manipulation, for example, can easily engulf females. So I think it's just toxicity in general. But we call masculine and feminine toxicity for women. Just based on mm-hmm. appearance. But I think it's just, I don't know. It's just toxic behaviors. It just, 
I feel like it's more characteristic characterized by who is doing it. Yeah, that's what I was like, to get into. I will say my toxic traits, I can be very passive aggressive. I can be very manipulative, but that can go also for toxic men. Yeah. It's just some characteristics and traits are given are more dominantly port I don't want to say portrayed. Expressed. Expressed yeah. by men and then expressed by women. Where I was trying to go with this was that I don't think there there is toxic masculine or feminine traits. It's just that they're toxic people. Mm -hmm. So if if you're a guy and you're you have all this bravado and you know you have the physique of Baki, you act like Yujiro Hanma. <laughs> I'm gonna need somebody to explain that for like me. Um, Baki and Yujiro Hanma, they're two fighters. Baki is one who's, you know, super muscular, super attractive. He's like a typical jockey. Take a high Take a right? Okay. And his father is like the ultimate Chad of Chads. Like, no one can beat him in a fight. A super Chad. Yeah, no we love a super him. Chad. He's super muscular. Like, no one's more divine <laughs> than him. So he's like at the pinnacle of douchebags. So yeah, but he also kills people because they annoy him, so... That's that's how when we say pinnacle, like it's to an exaggerated ball. Okay. What do you mean we all make this? Anyways, so what I'm trying to say is is that you may actually have the bravado and actually physically be him. It does not mean that you're allowed to treat people like they don't exist. That's not mm -hmm. um, that's not toxic masculinity. That's just a toxic person. Correct. And so, so what are we arguing for? No, I'm saying, saying there's, I'm saying there's no such thing as toxic. There's no such thing as toxic. Feminine. We're toxic. Being toxic. Yes, it's just that, toxic. Yeah, just yeah. it's just people are toxic. So, the what what really happens is that people don't know how to express themselves or how to act. That is the issue. People don't know how to talk to other people. People don't know how to act in public. People just don't know how to be themselves. And so you get people who, you know, you get that guy who goes to the gym every day who doesn't talk to anyone. You ask him a question, uh, 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 uh I'm sorry, uh, uh, I don't know, the only thing I really care about is my, my meal plan and, and <laughs> I mean, plates I can bench. And you, you also, you also get the girl who, who's too afraid to talk to anyone because all she does is sit in her room and just, you know, rant online. It, there's, it's, that's, that's not toxic masculinity and it's not toxic femininity. It's not toxic femininity. It's just these two people are both toxic. One's a guy and one's a girl. It's just neither of them actually know how to talk to people. I think... I think you pose a really good point, but I think if we erase masculinity altogether, I think it really undermines all the findings that are that have proceeded before us. Like, and to be more specific, it's like at the end of the day, there is sexism and there is power that man, men hold because they are men, um, and there are ways in which men use that power, which is toxic masculinity. Can you explain? For example, there's a power difference between men and women, right? Do you guys want me to explain that? Yeah, please explain. Okay. I know it, but for the audience. Yeah, yeah. so like the, the there's power difference between men and women because men are seen as 
better. Yeah. yeah. Better than women. More yeah. dominant. Yeah. yeah. That's why. It, yeah. It but that, physically, like, like well, um, intellectually. It's a social construct. It is a social construct. It's very much so a social construct. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is the standards that are put into place that, ben that specifically benefit white men. Yes. They are seen as top. Yes. Everything under... Anyone who is not a white male, sorry, baby. Anyone who is not a white male is He's seen as a tomato. <laughs> Anyone who is not a white male is seen as other, is seen yes. as lesser. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you are a black man, white woman, black woman, Asian man. You're seen as other be that. just because white men predominantly have more power, more yeah. social prowess. Like, look at our leaders. Yeah. Like, period. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. all I have to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, what, what? the elitists, all the yeah. elites are typically white men, yeah. typically our top 1%, like who is that? Mostly white men. Um, but yeah, sorry. No, that's actually not true. White people are not the majority. No, no, but I understand that. Right. Yeah. But that's completely different. Well, I was trying to get just an example from a scale. Like people, well, we're talking about phys physicality. Are you talking about in the world? Franchise? No, no in the US. I'm leaving. Well, I'm keeping it small. Politics. Just as an example, like NFL owners, majority of them are white. And yeah. having an NFL franchise puts you in like the top 5% of earners in America. So it, to an extent, you have some form of power. But I'm saying because, but the majority of the NFL, in terms of employees, meaning players and staff, are. Minorities. You're making a logic jump there, aren't you? Just because kind the majority, of, no, but, but just, just because the majority of, of, a, of a group is a certain thing doesn't mean they have an inherent. But you were saying the whites are the majority. Yeah, but just because, just because, like, say most NFL or NBA like owners are yeah. white, that doesn't mean they have an inherent advantage. No, it? he's, he's not implying an inherent advantage. He's, he's focusing on a privilege that. Yeah. That doesn't. That doesn't yeah. But it's not dictated on your skin tone. It's dictated based off of that demographic. Being in a privileged position in that region. Yeah. If that, yeah. I'm Steve. Yeah, Steve's Steve. <laughs> Steve. Yeah. But um, if if a specific group, white or black, in that region, has had a history of maintaining control of resources, well, then that group will be able to shape that country, that region, mm -hmm. that system that they're in to their advantage, simply off of the base that they have all the resources. It's not about the number of people in that demographic that are. Occupying mm -hmm. space because you would think, well, in the South, there are more black people but who are making all the decisions. White the majority people. Of white people who yeah. own the property, who, own, who are in control of government. If you don't have control within a system you're in, it doesn't matter how many people are there. It just matters who has control. Yeah. Is it, uh, well, it's, what I would like to say about that is yeah. for, for a lot of these positions, don't you vote for them? <laughs> a lot of the majority of people who vote are white. Because so black people say, and other other people of color are discouraged from voting. Why? Because who always wins? Who makes it to the final elections? Yeah, actually, actually, the thing is, also, we have a very low voter turnout anyway. It's yeah. like 46 Yeah, we do. Yeah. So it, it's not really an issue of winner or loser. It's just people don't vote. That's true. But also, we have to think about how we don't really get to choose who the president is. The Electoral College does. When we try to choose against Donald Trump, five, mil five million people didn't, like, like, he did not win by he 5 million the, people, he but he won the Electoral College. Yeah. You feel me? So, like, it's not, we can't judge 
we can't say like, oh, well, we vote for the white for the white people because that's not necessarily true. It's it's to prevent a true democracy, but that's a, that's a completely different topic. Uh, what was our topic originally? Masculinity. masculinity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a far cry from masculinity. Anyways, so you, you said something earlier about uh, men coming off as being physically stronger than women. No, no, that's not what I was saying. I was saying that men have more power than women and for multiple you said reasons. One of, the, one of them was that men are stronger than women. No, I wasn't. Okay, I was so you, can you can you can you relist? Can you? No. Can you relist uh, them because you know we, we went on like a what was it like tangent. Five, ten minute tangent? Yeah. yeah. Um, men are given more power because of the privilege that they have. Can you name those privileges again? Uh, privileges such as um, anyone can take over because there's a lot of examples. I could say perhaps inherited wealth. Like I know there's a privilege in America where a woman can't um, open up a bank account without a male signature. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You know that most rich people don't actually inherit their wealth, they actually made it themselves. Especially, yeah, uh, inherited wealth is actually typically lost, yeah. but that's, right. but that's it's still an argument based off of the present. If you're, if you're going based off of a system, right? If a system has been in operation for hundreds of years, and that system was majorly controlled by that specific that specific demographic, in the present, these people aren't rich based off of yeah. that. Well, but the system is still geared toward them based off of that that group. I fuck with Steve, bro. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to get this shit across, and he has a like, language for it. A good, a good, a good thing that she would uh, mention as a privilege might be that. We don't perceive it as a privilege because we're men, but like uh, a lot of women get uh, fucked over in employment. Mm -hmm. um, it's easier for an employer, not saying that every employer does this, but it's easier for an employer uh, based off of their appearance. Yeah. appearance, based off of their biases, based off of the fact that women most likely are more likely to get pregnant. Yeah, so if they do, that can be a problem within the workplace and then they might be more geared to hiring a man. Not yeah. saying that they will. No, I understand. That, that is a real thing. There, there's a reason why. Yeah, there, there yeah. is a reason yeah. why, but that there's, doesn't necessarily mean that it's to their benefit. They're still in yeah. disadvantage. It's not your fault, but we still have to acknowledge that they're in a less yeah. privileged position. That's, what I'm trying to say is that there is no real way to really fix that because a, a, a business's bottom line, their mission statement is to maximize profit. And if you really want to get into the fact that businesses are more likely to hire men, it's because men are less likely to try to start a family. They're more likely. So the thing is, what happens if a girl, let's just say a woman, she works for this company, right? She trained her for years, four years. She is an asset to the company. You, you, she makes this company a lot of money. And she decides that she's, you know, she decides that she wants to start a family. She's not going to be able to work while she's starting a family. For the most part, for the most time, for the most part, they would rather be at home with their kids. That's a that's a big thing. That that perspective is a privileged position to yeah. have because if and this is an empathy part. Like you said, um, in terms of straight logic, and we're just going streamlining business. 
yes, it would be easier to hire a man for a position based off of the things you said. But if you were that woman and you were more qualified than that man getting the job and you personally don't want that charge failing, is it is it right that you're being judged based off of this person's assumptions of you rather than your skill set? It's not. But how would you fix that even if that, that's Well, then worked? you would hire that person and trust them. That's like as a business, like you're you're we're making a lot of us a judgment. Yeah, but this is this is what a business is going to actually think. Right. So, you're a business owner. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's right. We're saying logically, but we're not saying that's right. I'm I'm asking you how would you fix that? Because a business is not just going to well, trust you. We're not worried about fixing well, the business. You're kind of focused well, on that's there, I don't well, want to get too off topic here. Okay. I, I was just, because because you like to ask you like to talk about solutions. I, I do like to get into solution and specifics. I'm only rushing this because we have about twenty minutes before we gotta wrap this up because the thing is reserved. Seventeen, thank you. So that's why I gotta speed this up here. Um all right, ten. We're gonna break this down a little quicker then. So, are there any last words anyone wants to say before we break into chop time? Would you like to talk? You haven't talked at all. Oh, yes, Carlo. Would you like to say anything? This is the last thing. No, I said that a woman, if we're thinking through the eyes of a business, if a woman gets pregnant, she's going to more likely or more inclined to want to work, she's going to want to work less hours to support her family. But there's women who don't have a, like, a person who is like specifically taking care of it, they're paying them. That's, so how would you say that? If someone who doesn't have the amount of money to pay for like, their, you know, the father's not there, not there, not there money, do you think that the business would just say, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stop paying this one woman that a lot or a little bit What I'm trying to say is, a business is going to see, uh, see their, they, they, they will care if their employee who they trained for many years works is might work less hours, four years from when they employ them today. Are you talking about like when she's pregnant at that moment, or does she have so a So a business, so business when they a business is hiring any person, they're going to look into them as a potential asset long term, and not just talking three years, four years, we're talking 10, maybe even 20 years. Mm -hmm. So the, re the reason why a business hires more men is because they're less likely to just leave. That's gonna take some time to explain, Steve. Let me well, one last thing. One last thing. This is not directly, but it's, it's very important to know. Yeah. Um, women, especially mothers, are the make the biggest class of people experiencing homelessness. Yes. Take into account all these assumptions that can be made about women not being reliable or not having a, a desire to put in long hours. That goes in directly to the fact that a lot of women are underemployed or experience, experiencing a lack of housing because they don't have the ability to provide in the way that they would want to. What's not necessarily divorce. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of factors that go into it than just marginalizing an entire group. Not saying that we are, but when we're saying we need to be effective, we need to be efficient as a business, taking away that human element causes more problems in our society when we are not considerate of the more people behind those issues. Emotional intelligence at its finest.
Um, I finished some things up. We're going to break this down into chop time. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about anything. All bets are off. Anything you want to say is free to go for. Um, oh, beer. Last thing. Is this for chop time? Yeah. Okay, okay. So before we start chop time, I'm going to get a sip clap. We're all going to clap together. Three, two, one. He unboxed them on YouTube because he thought they sent it to him on purpose. And so they raided him with like guns and like threatened to arrest him and like all over this shit. Some cards. Over some cards. And the militia group is banned to buy the gun. Like, like people can hire them, but the US government cannot use them. And they just like support like a militia with like a Vanguard and like BlackRock. And then it turns out that um, Vanguard owned. One of them owns like 30, 32% of Hasbro or something like that as well. So it's just like, it's very strange. Stay away from cards. Like, I'm just, nah. Uh, that's, that's too much for some damn trading cards and playing games. Imagine getting a white and then for some trading yeah, cards. I don't know cards, what's worse, bro. bro. That'll get like beat to death by furries. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Who has an employee who, she's a single mother and she has eight kids and she works for my dad. And she's pretty good. Hey, good for her. Um, all right. Um, there are some notes. Do you guys want to go over those, or is that just for another time? Um, I at least need another episode, another episode? on this. Okay, yeah. that's perfectly fine. Boy. So, what I kind of want to get into now is, I feel like there's a lot of stigmas for men in terms of what to deem right and wrong, and I think my biggest issue, this is just my personal preference, is that why can't I'm gonna say this. Yeah, say go ahead. Why do gay men shame so much by like straight men? Is it from like discomfort or is it just from like insecurity? Remember what our topic like, was? Which one? Emotional intelligence, being able to communicate openly. Right. They do, but they just immediately like they go to the worst means. Like they'll insult a gay man yeah. rather than just asking. And I don't know if that's just because I don't know gay men are surrounded by majority women or they're just comfortable with being themselves. Sure, because there is like a slight bit of effeminity with. The stereotypical guys of being a gay man. Yeah. And that is so other to the typical straight man. That is not how they think they should be seen. No. Okay. But with women, so to speak, like yeah. if some woman is lesbian, I feel like this is from my personal experience, mm-hmm. by the way, I'm not trying to say I'm claiming it, but for anyone, for any woman, they're more comfortable around a woman who's okay with being with another woman versus a gay man being around a straight man. You get what I'm saying there? Mm-hmm. So what would you explain for that? Is it because you guys communicate amazing. so well or it's the it's the, it's the more yeah. guys and like it's more stereotypical on how like gay men interact with other like straight men. Yeah. It's, it's the, like, the sense of safety. It's the dynamic between the two the way the two genders relate. Because men relate differently to other men than 
Women will go in the group to the bathroom. You're not gonna see that much with men. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm tough. I can handle a one-on-one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, but you're not gonna whether whether whether, whether it's whether it's dumb or not. You're not gonna see that with with men. Right. So the different genders or sexes or whatever you want to call it, they relate with each other differently. So a man who sees a gay man, he's not gonna really be open to like the mannerisms. You know, he's not gonna be open to the preconceived notions that he has about a gay man. He's not gonna be open to that. And there, sometimes you'll see media where you'll see a gay man pushing boundaries around a straight man. Whether that's, whether, whether that's not, whether that's not, you know, common, whether it's common or not, it doesn't matter to us. We see that, we, we know that there's a possibility and we're putting up boundaries, right? Can I, can I say something? Cause yeah. in, uh, so in my art, my film history class, this is like a topic that a lot of directors like to touch on because, I don't know, but like when gay men and women were represented in cinema for the longest time, they would always end up dying because it was like a retribution for their sins. Mm -hmm. And like, and a lot of like, a lot of old stuff, like 60s before that. Um, another thing, they also like this point of view of like the gay man is more like taboo than like the gay woman. It's also represented a lot in media too. Like I think it's low-key like that, that all that stuff can also just be imprinted like just through constant like seeing that in media and TV and movies too. It's like it's conditioning us. Yeah. Just like, oh, yeah. like that. It's all the encoding. Encoding. And also it depends on the on the culture because I was actually I was actually watching, you know, I think a lot of us are familiar. I hope we're all familiar with like the lady boys in Taiwan. Yeah. Okay, so in, in sorry, not Taiwan, Thailand. So not Taiwan, Thailand. Siam, Thailand. So basically in Thailand, you'll see a lot of um not just effeminate men, like a lot of these men are are they're like they're a lot I was just watching a video and there was one who could pass as a woman, like could pass as a woman if they didn't tell you. Right? So uh, in that society, you know, it's a lot more because you would see like uh, the the specific lady boy that was like explaining his experience, right? With you know coming out to his parents, you know, um, and his his mom used to dress him up like in secret, like you know what I'm saying. His mom used to dress him up in secret and then undress him when when his father was coming home, right? And so even in that society where and being a lady boy is very much accepted in that society for the most part especially in, in the newer generation. And they kind of resonate with the trans movement in, over here in the West, right? But even in that society, like she, the mom still had to undress him before the father came home. So really, it's, as I said before, it's really just, I don't know if it's biological or if it's how we've been um, conditioned, right? But it's really just that dynamic between men. Men are, are expected to uphold a certain standard, right, in most societies, right? Whereas women, they're a lot more, you know, closely knit, you know, a, a man, a, a friend group of girls will know more intimate parts of each other's bodies than a friend group of guys. That's a given. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's a fact. Uh, yeah. have to so you barely know each other. Right. <laughs> we're, gonna have to go into this. we're gonna have to go into this for another episode because we have to wrap up. I know people have class to go. We're in the middle of the day here. But thank you all for coming on. I appreciate it. It's the biggest panel we've had so far. And I think it's a great discussion. It's a great topic. So wrapping things up, this is the Piece by Piece podcast. I'm your host, William Parham. Just to let you know, this is a safe space. You know, reality can get real sometimes, and we might not know how to handle it. 
but let this be that place where you can come to an understanding because we're all individuals who are going through reality together and in our own ways. So just to let you know you matter, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, tell your friends, and most importantly, have a great day. Thank you.